Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is Leighton Spar, who's the president and portfolio manager at SSNC Alps Advisors. Welcome to the podcast, Leighton. Great to be here, Doug. You made the transition from 20 years of portfolio management at Columbia Threadneedle and Oppenheimer Funds to lead an asset manager focused on ETFs and wealth management integration. How has that evolution affected your view of the future of the investment industry? Yeah, I think the, the best analogy I can think of is that the scene in The Wizard of Oz when, uh, when Dorothy lands in Oz and everything goes from black and white to color. Uh-huh. And you kind of see the spectrum of what the financial industry is really dealing with, you know, with its evolution. Um, as a portfolio manager, you really focus on the expertise you have in a fairly tight silo. So I ran value equity teams, you know, focus on dividends, uh, focus on stock selection, and really had a pretty narrow view of the world. And when I had a chance to come to Alps Advisors, um, I really understood the whole spectrum of what was changing in investment management. Um, and it put a lot more emphasis for me on wealth management and just the criticality of the RIA and the wealth manager and the value they add before you ever get to a portfolio manager's stock selection, um, which is relatively small in the whole stack of where value comes from. You commonly talk about disintermediation across the industry. What's your vision of that change? Yeah, so you know, all those years as a portfolio manager, I uh, understood how how complex and deep the distribution um, landscape was within investment management. Um, but until I saw the whole spectrum, I didn't really understand all of the costs associated with introducing a strategy to a client, right? And there's there's no fewer than six different layers of oversight and sales and compliance, um, all of this overhead that exists to take an investment idea, you know, call it a S&P 500 ETF all the way to a client. I think the only industry that's close to that amount of dis- or, or, or that amount of intermediation is the pharmaceutical industry. And so as we look at how do you improve outcomes for clients, the cost of that um, friction is really a great area to target. And the more we can bring investment insights that exist with a, with a portfolio manager or an asset manager and get them to the clients as efficiently as possible, I mean, there's hundreds of basis points of annual um, performance improvement that can come just from disintermediation. So, you know, as a technology company in SS&C and an asset, and an asset manager at Alps Advisors, um, I think we're in a great position to figure out how do you get great investment ideas into clients' hands more efficiently. So that disintermediation is is just easy, low-hanging fruit to improve overall total returns, you know, before you even get to things like stock selection and asset allocation, which are important themselves. But, you know, first we got to get the ideas into the hands of the clients as efficiently as possible. Technology is in front of our faces every day with everything that we do and see. So how will technology improve the ability of wealth management managers to deliver on their value proposition? 
Yeah, so I think so much of that intermediation is around three things, right? It's, it's a lack of education um, for many clients. It's an enormous, uh, you know, compliance overhead, and it's a lack of transparency. And I think technology can deliver solutions that help address all three of those. Um, so starting with education, you know, just the availability of content, both to a financial advisor, so we have relatively sophisticated content to talk beyond just simple modern portfolio theory and how you get into different modalities and how you express exposures and asset allocations, you know, teaching those advisors how to think through that sophistication and giving them a language on how to then in turn educate their client. And I think so much of that is now delivered through digital means and through, you know, podcasts like this and through webinars. It's just much more efficient than you know, I remember 20 years ago, we'd have due diligence meetings and you'd gather 300 advisors in a conference room and you try to educate them on a certain strategy. And that's just become so much more efficient. Um, the compliance side, it just gets more and more complex, but the automation of compliance checks, the ability to outsource certain trading, the ability to share fiduciary risks, all of that is something we're working on with SS&C so that we can streamline and automate the oversight of compliance tasks. And then lastly is um, transparency. And I think this is where um, the, the openness of what we're doing within SS&C Black Diamond and the combination with our model marketplace is that we're working with a lot of asset managers to curate models that have very clear um, representations of costs, right? And we simplify the amount of fees that are in there. So there's really a fee for the asset manager. There's a fee um, for the, the wealth manager those are 100% transparent to the client so they understand what they're paying for. And the transparency then moves to the investment level, which is what goals are you actually investing for and how do individual exposures that build an asset allocation translate to the risk and return associated with those goals? So um, technology is all around that. And it's, it's really, how do you take something that's extraordinarily complex? around financial markets and individual cases of wealth management? And how do you bring it down to a humanized language that we can all understand? Um, Technology is critical for all of that. And I think we're more and more used to it, right? That's, that's how we interact with the world. It's how we interact with each other. Um, and you know, I think the whole pandemic area, um, era has brought forward some of that technology evolution to educate, um, improve transparency, and speed up compliance. Let's talk asset managers. How do they adapt to the changes in wrappers, distribution, and the overall influence of wealth managers? Yeah, I think it loops back to this theme of disintermediation. So, you know, the ETF was a phenomenal innovation um, because it lowered the cost of, of you know, um, transfer agencies, uh, platform fees. It brought a commingled vehicle, a registered investment company into an exchange that you can trade as liquid as a stock, right? And they've been around long enough now that most investors that are starting to, you know, really um, figure out how they want to take care of their wealth as they grow older, um, understand what an ETF is. I mean, 15 years ago, ETFs were a fairly novel, complex structure that most asset managers didn't even really understand, um, that didn't really understand, let alone clients. Um, so the education around ETFs has gotten us to the point where most asset managers now are very comfortable launching fully transparent 
um, ETFs. And we're seeing more and more large managers launch active ETFs or convert mutual funds to ETFs. They're just cheaper to operate. They're easier to distribute. And from an asset allocation and model management process, they're easier to understand and to put into those allocations that are so critical when you're dealing with wealth management. Um, so I think number one for asset managers is just this migration from mutual funds to ETFs. I think something that's a little bit more controversial is where does the SMA structure fit? And I think for applications like ESG, which need to which needs to evolve to a very individually expressed view of how values and investing fit together, um, SMA structures and direct indexing. Um, the technology around how ESG can be reflected at an individual basis is a great application for an SMA. I think in many other cases, though, SMAs are going to start seeing migration towards ETFs as well, because the tax efficiency of the ETF wrapper in most cases is even more efficient than SMA structures. There are some ultra high net worth um, investors that the SMA will always be best. Um, but, you know, the ETF is really, I think, the grand compromise. It's where mutual fund assets are moving. It's where SMA assets are moving. Um, and I think lastly, for asset managers, they have to understand how their components, their individual strategies that they run, fit in with other, um, you know, typically competitive marketplaces where you may have something from JP Morgan Asset Management that works really well with something from Franklin Templeton. And being able to accommodate that mixed asset allocation where you're bringing in best of breed and an open architecture, I think is really critical. And for many asset managers, it's, it's hard to, you know, adapt to that open architecture. You know, they're used to very closed networks of models built just on their own proprietary things. Um, so all of that, I think, are evolutions asset managers are going through right now. Um, and, uh, you know, being a, 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 an open arbiter of what's best and working with uh, wealth managers, I think, is is really critical for those intermediaries. You use the term coopetition when you describe SS&C Rendezvous. Who do you believe you're cooperating with and competing with? Yeah, so this this asset management, wealth management um, spectrum, you know, we overlap with both sides of that whole chain. So within wealth management, Alps Advisors is a registered investment advisor. Um, we have model construction technology. We have proposal generation technology. Some of the partners that we're working most closely with also have their own solutions in those areas. And so when we're working with them, what we're trying to figure out is what do we do best? What do they do best? Let's find the overlap of those core competencies and let's do less of what we don't do best. And that's the whole idea of um, coopetition where you engage with what formerly was a competitor and you say, Hey, you know, we all have limited resources um, based on those limited resources. How do we create something that's more beneficial for the client, but allows us to build a segment of our business that we think we do best. Um, and, you know, we're just in this unique position. We're a small asset manager. So there's lots of things that we can do well there, but they're relatively small niches. We're also a very big technology company, um, so we can bring insights into asset managers that they may not have because they don't have their own proprietary technology. So we can really solve technology infrastructure, I think. Um, I think a lot of, I think many of our competitors do the same thing. 
Um, but it's, it's figuring out who is the team that sits in the middle that figures out and can credibly consult on the ideas of who does what best and how do you build a common economic incentive so that we can grow together, solve the client's problems, and really focus our resources around what respective um, uh, you know, cooperators uh, do best. So it's, it, it's somewhat complex. It's not head-to-head. And it's trying to figure out just, you know, relative individual capabilities um, and delivering them as efficiently as possible. What are some of the most significant challenges you hear from large wealth managers and smaller independent advisors? Yeah, so many of the largest wealth managers that we deal with are um, their products of acquisitions, right? And so when you bring in all these acquisitions, you're trying to acclimate different cultures, different procedures. Um, so it's really the stabilization of the volatility that comes through acquisition. And then it's the standardization of how do you bring a bigger organization into a you know, process of, of best practices. Um, so that complexity, you, know, you have individuals, you have individual relationships, you have many different technology stacks. Um, and the standardization and, and a meeting ground. I mean, that's really where the name of, of, of our new business rendezvous came from is, hey, this is a meeting place that's open architecture. We can work with large RIAs who have built through acquisition um, or years and years of recruiting different types of advisors. And we can give them technology and access to asset management that can become a compromise and can standardize a culture and a process. For small RIAs, it's really about time, right? They just don't have time to do all the compliance, all of the research, all of the model construction, and still have enough time to focus on what they do best, which is sitting down with a client, understanding goals, mapping out what's best for them from a risk-reward standpoint, um, revising those goals as time goes on. Um, so what we try to solve for those small RIAs is we just give them time you know, through technology, we can automate model selection. We can model uh, risk management, proposal generation, all those things that um, are extra- extraordinarily important, but less important than the time of the client. We can help deliver a little bit more of an efficient work process to give them time. So that's what we're seeing from them. It's, it's, it's just an inundation of, of tasks versus time, and it's a complexity of acquisition. All right. Finally, let's put your portfolio manager hat back on. Crystal ball for us. What's ahead for markets in 2023? <laughs> so I, I do still run a portfolio and I think about this every day. It's, it's, it's one of my passions. I love investing. I love the markets. Um, I love the complexity of them. And, and uh, 2023 is going to be one of those very complex years. I think we have a long way to go um, with fighting the inflation fire that was set ablaze during the pandemic. Um, the Fed has multiple steps still ahead, right? So they're still debating on how big they go in each of their next, you know, I'd say three meetings where they're going to continue to raise rates, in my opinion. Um, they may bring down the scale a little bit here starting in December. Um, but once they figure out and they answer the question of how big, we still have to listen to them um, decide how high you know, what is the terminal rate and how long, how long do they stay there? And I think through this whole process, the first half of 2023 is still pretty difficult. I think it's going to feel um, more like the back half of 2022, where you have 
some nice rallies and then you have um, changes in expectations that cause fairly big sell-offs. The starting point's pretty good though. We like active fixed income. Um, fixed income across the board is not attractive, but there are elements that have sold off enough um, and starting yields are high enough that if you have a good active fixed income manager who can find their way through the you know, chaff of credit, um, we think there's, there's good opportunities there. With inequities, we like you know, good old fashioned dividend paying stocks. So relatively short duration equities that are paying dividends, investing in new growth that will come two to three years in the future um, and trade at relatively low valuation. So value stocks, dividend stocks, and then lastly, our favorite theme is energy transition. So whether it's the reinvestment in traditional hydrocarbon energy and making that more efficient, um, many of those companies are becoming much better at their recycling of capital into more productive projects. Um, and we're going to need oil and gas for a long, long time, but hopefully we need less and less of it. And that's the other side of the energy transition where we really love the capital investment in clean energy of all sorts, whether it's, it's you know, hydropower, solar, wind, the connection of all of those, battery technologies. There's so many great industries within clean energy that when you pair that with the more efficient investment that we're seeing from the traditional energy sectors, uh, we think you can hedge a lot of risks associated with this huge, huge transition. It's probably the most important transition we're going through from a capital basis globally. Um, so we think that has long legs. We think 2023 is going to be another good year for energy transition. So that's a quick summary of what we're thinking. All right. Leighton, fantastic. Thanks so much for being with us today. All right, Douglas. Have a great one. To learn more about Leighton and Alps Advisors, please visit alpsfunds.com. Please follow us for timely updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Julia Smolin, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.